0: Um, Now, today, I want to talk about why comparison is such a killer. Why comparison is such a killer. Why it's just so... um, In other words, if I were to say to you, um, here's some keys to being happy in life, which we've done messages and sermons on that. Um, There's some things I could offer you that I think might help. And you may take them up, you may not. But here's the thing. I can guarantee you what will make you unhappy. So we could start there. In other words, if you want to be happy, one of the things that you could do is eliminate the things that are guaranteed to make you unhappy. Is that a starting spot? Comparing yourself to other people is a guaranteed way to make you an unhappy soul. That's just a guarantee. So, you can say there's a thousand other things that I need to do, but there's one thing that you could start, you could do it today, just just eliminate comparing yourself to other people. You know the tenth commandment is interesting by the way, i you know I, I sort of understand and I don't, but i I get why some people are just they're, they're, they think the bible's old fashioned and you know um but Probably because they just haven't dug deep enough. Maybe someone gave them kind of a skimmy version of it and it seems shallow or old-fashioned. But boy, this this book's been around for a long time. It's endured a lot. And there's got to be some deep stuff in there. And what I have found is that as I've dug deeper and deeper, is eventually it ends up saying the same thing that's being found in other places, psychology and science and other fields, and they start to merge together. And it's true because I started doing research this week on comparing yourself to others and one after another, after another, after another self-help psychology article comes up about the detriment that it does to you when you compare yourself to other people. The 10th commandment is interesting because the 10th commandment is different from all the other commandments in this way. The 10th commandment, doesn't forbid you to do something, you know, don't steal, don't cheat, don't lie. Sounds like a Tim McGraw song. Huh? I mean, really, if you just want to teach your kids the Ten Commandments, just play in the Tim McGraw song, right? And you pretty much got it, right? Always be humble and kind would be the first two when you remember God, huh? Anyway, think about it. Don't desire. Your neighbor's stuff. It's the only commandment that talks about desire instead of action. All the other ones talk about, don't do this, don't do this. This says, don't want this. Stop wanting. In fact, if I could tell you the key to happiness in your life today, I could say it could be summed in those two words, little sentence, stop wanting. Boy, I'm trying to teach that to my three-year-old daughter. <laughs> Stop wanting all that time. If I'm down, I want to get up. If I'm up, I want to get let down. If I'm eating this, I want to eat that. I always want something else. What's the saying? The grass always looks what? Looks, why, that, why is that saying exactly fit with the 10th commandment? Because... The truth always gets sp- it's always found everywhere. The grass is not always greener over there. Sometimes it looks greener. Don't look at your neighbor's stuff. Don't 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 pay attention to his donkey. Huh? Anybody drive their donkey to church today? No. So what are you paying attention to? Your neighbor's what? Automobile. Now uh, marketers know this. Marketers, the first thing you do when you go to marketing, if you go to marketing school, is you read the Ten Commandments and you focus on number 10 because you say, if God knew this was our human tendency, then if you want to make money, go right to human nature. They're going to want their neighbor's stuff. So how do you sell them stuff? Put your neighbor on TV. With long flowing hair and the top down. huh? How many know you're never going to look that good in Michigan anyway? They're always going on, right, Route 1, right, and on the California coast and the sun's in there. I mean, come on, does the sun ever shine here? I mean, the thing is, they put this comparison up there, and you look and you think, that's it. That's what I need. It's just that. And we buy it. You can say, oh, I don't buy it. I don't believe in that stuff. You do buy it. uh, Fool yourself all you want, because they wouldn't keep spending money every year about this time. They start talking about how much Super Bowl ads go for. Are are you awake? Every year at this time, they start talking about, here's what the Super Bowl ads cost. For 30 seconds, this company is going to spend this amount of millions and millions of dollars because it doesn't work. Because it it does work. It does work. And the marketers know the same thing that Moses knew. Moses and marketers went to the same college. (laughs) Here's how these human beings work. Here's how these human beings work. Why? Because if you're going to be marketing, you got to know psychology. You got to know how human beings work. Here's how human beings work. They're always looking over their shoulder. at what someone else has. What someone else looks like, what someone else does, what someone else wears. I mean, ask anybody in the the movies, they have movies that have ad placement now, right? A certain automobile company will put their car at their great expense in a Tom Cruise movie. Why? Because it doesn't work. Because we don't envy and covet. No, because we do. Because we think, if I have that car, I might start to look like Tom Cruise. Does this make any sense? But it's human nature. So the first thing we could do is just be honest with ourselves. Because we don't do ourselves any favor by pretending we don't daily break the Tenth Commandment. I got bad news for some of you. Because some of you think you're sin-free. You're screwed. I mean, you are. You daily, and I, all right, so, so you don't feel mad at me, daily break the Tenth Commandment. You don't even realize it, of course, because it's internal. Man, I want that. Mm. Now, nothing wrong with wanting other stuff, but here's the thing. When you start to want things that other people have, you want them because they have them, and you don't realize sometimes that that's the reason that you do want it. Take two toddlers in a room, there's a thousand toys. I know this, I have a toddler. There's a thousand toys. Does anybody know where this story's going? I don't need to tell this story. I don't need to tell this story, but I'm gonna tell it anyway. And if there's two toddlers and one of them grabs one toy, what toy does the other one want? The 999 toys that are scattered all over? No, I want the one, why does she want it? Because it's a better toy, no. It's not why. I want that toy because what? You seem to be having fun over there playing with that toy. We are all a bunch of toddlers. The sooner we admit it, the better. Hmm? How many? How many got potty trained in here? I mean, at least we're getting somewhere. Like, good. We're just that. This is us, and we want it. Because they're having it, and they seem to be having so much fun. And so the 10th commandment was trying to give us happiness, free us from frustration. One of the first series I ever did at Orchard Grove was on the 10th commandments, right when I started. And I, this, I did it, of course, as I do, a spin. And I said, the commandments are not weights, they're wings. These are not things to weigh you down, which most of us thought of as a bunch of things you can't do. These are these are wings to lift you up to make your life soar. And your life would soar if you stopped comparing it to other people. But human nature is you would go back to it. Do you remember in the end of John's Gospel? In the end of John's Gospel, um, it's the scene where Jesus is talking to Peter and he's You know, Peter had failed him, remember, three times. He denied him. Jesus told him he was going to deny him. Peter said, I wouldn't. I've told you you're going to break the 10th commandment today. You're going, no, I won't. You will by 3 (laughs) o'clock. But anyway, believe what you want about yourself. And then, and then, Jesus resurrects, and then he brings Peter, and it's, Peter, Peter, do you love me? It's like, come on, give him another chance. I mean, how many chances did Peter get? You know, Lord, I love you feed my sheep. He says it again. Do you love me? Yes. Okay, feed my lambs. Peter, do you love me a third time? Peter's like brokenhearted. Do we have to go through this? And Jesus is like, well, you denied me three times. I mean, just making sure. And they're having this talk together. And somehow, Peter looks over his shoulder. And they start going on and they they start talking and, and they start talking about the end of life. And Peter looks over his shoulder and he sees the disciple, they call him the disciple who Jesus loved. And he goes, well, John 21, 21. What about him? Worst question in the world. Worst question in the world. What about him? What about her? You want to derail your life? Do you want to demoralize yourself? Man, we got a lot of young kids today. Kids, I mean, you know, now I'm so old, like 20 as a kid. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? You guys are old too. No? But I mean, some of you are young. All right, good, good, good job. Look at these young ones on here. But I mean, you know, when you get older, it's... it's but man, we... we this is destroying a generation, comparing. You know, stuff comes up, they all everybody has social media accounts, and everybody, oh, this is what this person dressed like, and this is what they ate for dinner, and, and this is what man, look at those eyes, and look at the eyeshadow, and look at their hair. And all it is is a constant, relentless, continual comparison. See, the thing is, people have the wrong idea about God, and they have the wrong idea about the commandments. Because the, the idea that they get is that if you do one of these wrong, God's going to be really mad at you, and now you've got yet another problem on your hands. Completely misunderstanding it. This is a path of freedom for your life. This is a path of health and wholeness and happiness This has got to be laid out in front of you to say, if you want to walk on this path, you can be free and you can be fulfilled. And if you stop worrying about what your neighbor has, God made you unique. This is what we're focusing on. And so if you're unique, your calling is unique, your interests are unique, the comparisons are endless. Why? Because there's an endless number of people to compare yourself to. First of all, start there. I mean, just as soon as you're like, man, you know, look at this, look at this person, you start to compare yourself to them. We all do it. That's just one person. I I was listening to somebody talk about how a lady, and, and she would, like, like for me, here, here's how I would, here's how I break this command all the time. Guys that have cool garages. Like, I don't have a cool garage. I have a gaudy garage. Does anybody identify with me? But do you ever drive by a guy with a cool garage and go, like, man, that's what a real man does with his garage. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like it lifts up cars and there's, just, you know, cool signs everywhere and neon and it's pristine. You can eat off the floor. Don't eat off my garage floor. I'll just give you a heads up before you come over. But you, 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 you start to see other people. I was reading that this lady was talking about, she she goes to this wedding. This is so human nature. She goes to this wedding, and it's at, at the reception. I'm getting it uh, close enough. Um, maybe some of the details are a little bit off. But she goes to the reception, and you know how like parents will sometimes do creative things? And she goes, the thing was decorated with every little piece of... Artwork that little Johnny brought home or little Susie brought home when, when, when she was a kid. So every little thing, you know, Charlie always brings something from church. She'll bring something home what she worked on it from school, a little picture. And, uh, and the whole place was decorated with every, she saved every single piece. So what did the mom do who's visiting this wedding? Was she just so happy for her friend and her brilliance and her creativity? No. What did she do? immediately started to feel guilt, right? I should do that for my daughter. I should do that for my son. And every time a little piece of paper came home, she wanted to throw it away, but she had guilt. Huh? I'm not a good mom because I'm not doing what? what? Now, is this, is this human nature? You see something that someone else does. They have this unbelievable creativity, this unbelievable gift, and you go, oh, this is how I should do it. Charlie brings things home straight to the trash. No, I mean, I they put them on the fridge. No. That's not true. That's not true. They go on the fridge for a week, and they go on the fridge for a week. Uh, there will be no such things at her wedding day. I can guarantee you that. Endless categories of people. That com- so it's not just, but then you compare, well, the, what kind of body do they have? How much money do they have? By the way, let me just say this because I think this needs to be said. You know, the comparing, when you think someone's happy because it looks like they have money, first of all, looks and having are usually very different things. Not always, but usually. <laughs> I'm not a master of these kind of things, but one of the things that I have been around the block long enough to know, there's some people that you would think have money that owe the bank a lot of money. Very quiet, that's good. Quiet means you're listening, I think. <laughs> and there are people that have a lot of external things and stuff, and it, and, it, and it appears that they would be happy, and boy, they can even have a smile, and their Facebook page is happy but if you knew their life if you really knew you're not comparing is such a horrible trap because you you only see a slice of someone else's life we've even compared eras of time you know you look at like I'll tell on myself, like when I first started in in the the ministry, I I would go read books. I read books obsessively. And one of the things that I got to doing was I was reading books um, about pastors in the 1800s, the late 1800s over in England. And this is what I did. I started comparing myself to a pastor in England in the late 1800s. Now, does that make any sense to you? I would read about his church, about his size, about his ministry, all these things. I, I can tell you, I have two shelves of books and probably wasted two years of my life. Who cares, respectfully? I mean, I care a little bit, but who cares what a pastor in the 1800s in England did? I mean, I can gain a little bit from it. I'm not saying you can't gain. You can gain. But then there's a line where you go and it's like, Who cares? But this is the thing that continues to derail us from running this amazing race that God wants for you to run. Man, I haven't even started the notes yet. That's the introduction. Genesis. (laughs) What time is it? Will you guys stay for a minute? All right, Genesis 4. This was the scripture I was going to read. All right. All right, I'm getting there. Some of us are slower than others. Genesis 4. And... Sometimes I, think it's good to, sometimes I think it's good to go to the foundational things. I think some of the things in Scripture, especially in Genesis, were written as foundational things. So um, they, te- they teach us deep patterns about human nature. This is the story of the firstborn. So Adam and Eve were made by God, and then you have the firstborn. So this is, we're given birth. Get it? And so this is, in some sense, the the dawn of humanity. And it didn't go well. I mean, you know, I'll jump until the end of the movie. There's two boys and one kills the other. We're not off to a great start. We're not off to a great start. But let's read the story, uh, Genesis 4. Adam lay with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother Abel, Cain, and then Abel. Um, I was reading one guy who was saying he thought... He, He proposed that maybe they were twins. It doesn't say. It says later. It could be five minutes later. It could have been five years later. But you have have brothers. And one of the themes in the Bible, one of the themes in the Old Testament particularly, it's a theme, it's throughout the Old Testament, is sibling rivalry. You will find it over and over and over again. Jacob and Esau and Joseph and his brothers, it just goes on and on and on. It's a common theme in the Old Testament. Sibling rivalry. Um, now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. So you had the younger one out in the with, with the with the animals, and the older one tilling the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the Fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. So he he took some of his stuff from the garden and he brings it as an offering. Period. Doesn't say anything else about it. Then it says, But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. So then Abel um, brings in some of the animals, a fat portion. And it says that. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. Um, he looked on it with respect, is another way. or um, He had respect for his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. Cain gets angry. In the next verse, it says, so Cain was very angry, very angry. His face was downcast. Cain noticed God responded differently to his offering than he did to Abel's offering. If we use God in the bigger sense of Sometimes life responds well to you. Sometimes life does not respond well to your efforts. Is this true? Anybody here ever work really, really hard and get very little out of it? Very little to show for it? You work, you sacrifice. This is what an offering is. You sacrifice, and somehow your neighbor got ahead, or your, your buddy across the hall got the bonus, and you got the back room. And the first thing that happens is you get angry. Just for grins, anyone here ever been angry? Let's see how much pretending, you, how much pretending you guys want to play today. And a lot of times, the things that get us angry or we feel like we got cheated somehow, somehow we got wronged. That too is really about comparing. You're comparing. Why did this guy get? A, why did this guy get an attaboy? a boy And I got nothing. Why? Doesn't seem right. That's not fair. But here's the thing. God responds to him and he says, the, the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast, your face downcast? Moping started then. Anybody have a problem with your kids moping? It's hard to explain them, but you're like, but I'm not doing anything wrong. Yeah, but you're moping and I don't like it. I'm done. I'm not I'm not coming. That was the last one. But you're moping, and I don't like it. I don't like that face. I don't like that face. You're trying to do something with that face. We don't, I don't like that. He's uh, pouting. He's pouting. Why are you acting like that? You know, and then he says, if you do what is right... You. In other words, what does this have to do with your brother? There's a good question. This has nothing to do with him. You know, one of the greatest things that would help us in life is if we stop comparing ourselves to other people and just worry about ourselves. And sometimes it is true that we aren't doing our best, sometimes that's true. Sometimes we aren't giving our best. Sometimes we are not being our best. Now, there's a best in you, and that's what we're trying to pull out. Really, that's all I do every Sunday morning. I just got a chisel up here, and I'm just trying to whack a few stones off of you. Someone said to Michelangelo one time, like, what are you doing whacking at that stone? He said, I'm trying to free an angel. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm just chiseling on your head a little bit. It just hurts for a little bit. I'm trying to free the angel in there. Huh? There's a best version of you. Cain's moping. God goes, why are you moping? Why are you so angry? You you just do your best thing. Did you know that, um, and probably you do know, but in Genesis 1 and 2, we're right there, we're, like in the na- we're in the neighborhood, you might as well look around the corner, right? Genesis 1 and 2, there's two stories of creation, right? And there's, there, there's a poem story and there's like a prose story. A lot of people, maybe when they start in church, they don't realize this, but if you read them, it kind of like, you read chapter 1 and it's all poetic and, and there was heaven and earth and then there was light and there was this and, and evening and morning, it has this refrain to it. And then the next one, it's not a continuation, it's a different, it's an actual different story. So, the creation by poem, and we'll call it the creation by prose. And unfortunately, a lot of the headings don't lay it out that way so it's easy to understand. And one person said, you know, um, the other thing that it does is it compares one kind of Adam with the other kind of Adam. A guy named David Brooks wrote about this. I thought it was brilliant. He said, there's the the resume, Adam, and the eulogy, Adam. Think about that. You know, the resume, you, hey. By by, By the way, I mean, I know all kinds of people. I've got friends, and they talk about, hey, if you ever need help writing a resume, not to me, but to other people. I'm like, I've never read a resume that made any sense to me. I mean, no, honest to God, like, I have, like, a BS meter, and it just goes peg to the right every time I read one. I, I, no, honest, I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to say it for effect. I mean, I'm honestly like, no one believes this, do they? <laughs> honest to God. And then people tell you, oh, I'm going to say this and this. And dear God, I mean, if you ever did recruiting, like, how would you, how would you not vomit <laughs> constantly? because the barf bags all over your desk. I mean, this is ridiculous stuff people write. This is a resume. And then, The language. (laughs) Dear sir, my name's Chris. Um I rarely make my bed. Huh? I don't put my laundry where I should. Yeah. You don't put that on the resume. Is this true? You sweep everything you can under there, and you just give them this polish. <laughs> can you do your chin a little bit to the... You may remember getting a picture? When you? Yeah. Resume, Adam. Then there's eulogy, Adam. I do eulogies all the time. This week, on Thursday, I did two. It's not uncommon. I'd more than one in a day. That's that was a big thing when I was young. Now you, you eulogize somebody. You no know, resume, Adam, is about the stuff that's on the outside, you know. All the external stuff. And eulogy, Adam, that's that's the inside. I think what God was saying to Cain is stop worrying about your resume. Stop worrying about whether it was accepted or whether it was rejected. It doesn't say that you'll never have another chance to make an offering. Does it say that anywhere in there? What it does say is Abel put some heart in his offering. He gave the fat portions, the best stuff. Our offering is our life. It's symbolic of our life. Are you giving your best stuff? Instead, he was comparing himself to Cain. Or he was comparing Cain with comparing himself to Abel. And then he gets angry because this is what always happens when you compare yourself and someone else's results is you get angry. You remember David? Saul brings him up. He's a young little guy in his army and he's all happy for David. Yay, David. He took down the giant and I'm going to put him in my army and he can play the guitar. Huh? David used to just come in and just jam for him. Oh, well, it was a harp. But anyway, they, he would just jam, and Saul would just... How many love good music? Huh? I mean, Vicky, would come home, like, sometimes, like, a, a great day for us is... Um, I hate to say this, because I love my daughter dearly, but Charlie falls asleep early. This, I'm, we're dialing a really good day. Did I say I love my daughter? But, I mean, if she falls asleep early, we'd put on some music, and we'd cook together, you know, and just the music. David would play music for Saul. I'd calm him down. He loved David. He was bringing him in the family. He was bringing him up. He loved David. He'd send David out to battle, and he'd win wars for him. He'd do little skirmishes for him, and he'd come back and bring dad some more money. It was just great. He was like a, the son. You know, adopted son, marrying him into the family. And one day when they're coming back into town, they, the, the village people just started singing a song, like a spontaneous chant. It was like, Saul is slain his thousands, and then David, his tens of thousands. So I was like, what? what? What did I hear? I mean, you know, maybe, maybe there were less people to slay back then, if that was your thing, right? I don't think they meant anything by it. It was just a chant. And like, we we got a new guy coming up. And Saul, instead of running his race and staying in his lane, it says from that point on, this is what the scripture says, he had a jealous eye on David. He couldn't stand it. They had this wonderful relationship. They had so much going for each other, and together they could do so much. But from that point, that point on, Saul couldn't help himself. He had a jealous eye, and he was angry. I mean, aren't we just tired of being angry and bitter and jealous? It's just like, man, that's, I heard Kevin Hart. I love Kevin Hart. He makes me laugh anyway. But he was like, man, I ain't got time for that. I ain't got time to waste my whole life worrying about what someone else got or did or got away with. Because bitterness will take you all the way down. Now, we got to land this plane here. What do we do if we can... How do we overcome this comparison thing? You know? How do you, how do you get out. Start looking up instead of looking over. Don't look over your shoulder. Just look up. There's only one person you need to run your race for, right? Don't worry about what they're doing or how successful they are or unsuccessful that they are. The other thing is this. Pay attention to the unique race that God has for you. So um, you have Cain and Abel, and Abel has the, the shepherding duties, Cain is the farmer. You know, it doesn't say why one became a farmer and one became a shepherd. It doesn't say. So we're left to guess. But it could be that dad said, you plow, you chase the the sheep. That could be. But it also could be that that's what they were interested in. This is something to pay attention to. In fact, one of, the, one of the most fantastic things that will ever happen to you in your life is when you get to the place where you pay attention to your passions. Follow your passions. Because those were given by God. I was telling them earlier, I, I do this little Facebook thing on Sunday morning, so I was telling them about how when I was in high school, I mean, I was weird. When I look back, I'm like, man, you were weird. I went to see... Um, a therapist several years ago. And I, when I started telling him about all this stuff, I started like, man, was I weird. Because here was this kid, I love football. I mean, I was in the middle of the whole football, you know, high school melee. I was right in the middle of it. Like, we're all the, you know, Friday night lights and every, and and I cared nothing about five minutes after it was over with. we're like, you know, everybody's like, then you go, and you go to the dance, and I'd just go home, or I'd go to church. Weirdo. No, I mean, I'm, not, I'm just saying I was, I was weird. I mean, I remember on Friday night, there was a football game, and everybody was like, hey, they're going to the dance. And then that was the thing, you know, all the guys would go to the locker and they get a shower, and they'd all go to the dance. and like, are you going? And I'm like, no, I'm going to an all-night prayer meeting. What? Well, they announced that they were having that church, and it was like a personal challenge to me. You know, it was just like football. If you challenge me, I'm like, let's go. And they're at church, and like, we're going to pray all night long. And I'm like, you're on. I will be there. And I was almost the only one there. True story. The senior pastor in our church, this really old guy, he was great. He was like a mentor to me. He used to take me to the prisons and the jails and the nursing homes to to preach. But, well, I didn't get to preach at first. I got to carry his accordion. That's what I would do. Sunday nights, yeah, I I would carry his accordion. I would carry it in, Yeah. Go up to the, uh, the, the jail, minimum security one in Manchester. It's an hour drive from where we were, you know. First, we'd go to the nursing home. I'd carry his accordion in, and then he'd play. I'd sit there and shake hands with everybody like that. And th- that's how I got started. And I had done it for months, and then one day he goes, it's your turn. Next week, you're on. I was stoked, man. Philippians chapter 3. Huh? In the minimum security prison there in Chelsea. Huh? I was weird. I would sit, I, I didn't even like to read. I, I, didn't, I didn't like school. I would sit in, this is true, I would sit in study hall and read books about theology. I'm not making this up. I, I, I can pull them off my bookshelf because I would write in the leaf when I finished reading them. High school, 1980, whatever. That's weird. It's weird. It's okay. You're weird too. I'm getting to you. (laughs) We're all weird. We're all weird. I I didn't do it because I was going to get a better grade. I got worse grades because I should have been reading biology. I should have been reading, you know, the things I was assigned. I, I didn't do it because someone told me to do it. My parents never told me to do it, my parents didn't even take me to church. My pastor didn't tell me to do it. I did it because it was it was in there. Why where did who put it in there? And, and don't think that's better, because it's not better. It's not better than than baking. Some of you just obsess over cookbooks. And when you go, someone comes to your house, it's boom. But you have a thing. And that thing you gotta pay attention to, because God put that thing in there. We need that thing. One was, one was plowing the fields. One was taking care of the sheep. God gave you a lane to run in. The, the difference is not why, why this guy is pulling up carrots and why this guy is raising sheep. The difference is what you put into it. That's what God was telling Cain. I'm not talking about what you're doing. I'm talking about how you're doing it. If you believe God made you special and unique and you put your heart into it and you give it everything that you have. You don't have to look over your shoulder. You know, life has a flow. Am I overtime? I'm not reading this right. I'm overtime. Um, let's say a prayer. I'll, I'll just pick it up next week. Look, am I? Oh, yeah, come on, Kimberly, thank you. Get me out of this mess. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I got to work on that clock. All right, we got we to gotta end this thing. The people in kids' world, man, they're going to throw stones at me if I go any longer. Will you guys stand with me? We'll have a prayer here. All right. You got a good lane. God put some good stuff in you. We'll, We'll pick it up next week. We'll talk about it. But lean into that. Stop worrying that you're not the farmer or you're not the shepherd. You're you. Hey, you has only been tried once. There's only been one you. It's a flat-out experiment. How are you going to do you? That's what you're responsible for. Not that you aren't Plowing fields or that you aren't raising sheep, what you're responsible for is how you're doing what you're doing. And pay attention to that stuff that's in here. Dear God, we thank you for your love for us. Thank you for making each one of us unique and special. God, give us the courage to walk away from comparison. Give us the guts to become the best version of ourselves. Give it our best. And we can lay our life as an offering to you. In Christ's name, we give you thanks. Amen.